Okay, Cedar now. Cedar Rapids? That is not what a we fishing discussed. boat off the coast of Maine. Nope. It is not. If you don't want to use our lines, don't ask them for us. Don't ask us for them. That, I could, that too. I couldn't <laughs> get enough lobster jokes versus coat jokes. You don't need lobster jokes. Or coat jokes. Or coat jokes. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you can't find jokes anyway. So regardless well. of what the topic is. <laughs> oh, oh. I, I, are you recording this? Absolutely. I have to edit that out. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I have a question I'm probably going to regret asking. Be the thing people why are you the looking most? for lobster jokes? You'll see. No, he wanted he wanted an intro, and he was asking us at lunch, "Where where should we be from today?" Yeah, we. And Scott, I, I said I said just like the North Maine woods. And Scott said the coast of Maine, and I said, "Ooh, live from a lobster boat off the coast of Maine." Yeah. <laughs> so he decided he was going to look for lobster jokes, apparently, and couldn't find one. Yeah, apparently he didn't. I could be trapped in L.A. because uh, Trump's here. Oh, yeah, you're right. Checking out the wall. Better you than me. Yep. Doing wall stuff. Okay, so. Let's get this dog and pony. I want to join this new space army. That's going to be awesome. Let's get this dog and pony show on the road because i got to be out of here at 2.30. Let's go. So if you're still recording, okay. I'm leaving. We can, be done. <laughs> okay. we, can a we can actually easily be done at 2.30. Yes. Do a countdown. Five. Four, three, two, one. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from the Burlington Coat Factory in Cedar Rapids. Special today, buy any two coats and get a third coat for full price. This is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 165. I'm Cash. I sent in my electric bill with a love stamp. I think they took it the wrong way. How do you break up with the electric company? Now I just use candles. I'm Scott. And I think Facebook ought to have a button that says no one cares. Yes. I think that that's the button I push every time I don't comment on something. Exactly. <laughs> this is Mark, and my safe word is gum skip. That's two words. <laughs> I'm screen gum skip get to stop. <laughs> and this is Tom. So this weekend my wife says to me, you're not even listening, are you? And I thought to myself, that's a funny way to start a conversation. <laughs> and I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. What does a painter do when he gets cold? He puts on another coat. So get out your warmest, most comfortable fake fur coat, untangle your coat hangers, put on an extra coat of paint on the wall. We're not talking about jackets. Today we are all talking about silk coat. So Scott, what kind of coat is silk coat? Silk coat is actually 
not a coat. It's a type of paper, and it describes the... Uh, well, everybody knows what blue paper is. They were part of the paper experiments from the BEP where they were trying to reduce curling of the stamps after they were printed so that the perforations would, the stamps would end up being better centered and wouldn't curl in the drawer and things like that. Well, the silk coat paper is also uh, along those lines. It's, it's related to that type of thing. It's a, it's a variety of paper that was tried on the two cent Jefferson Liberty series in the 1950s. That's the red one with Thomas Jefferson on it. That is correct. And, uh, the Silcoat paper was produced at uh, the S.D. Warren Company of Cumberland Mills in Westbrook, Maine. Mm. And hence the lobster jokes. Hence the lobster jokes. Or the absence thereof. That's correct. And uh, this paper is whiter and smoother. Uh, actually, the surface texture is extraordinarily smooth uh, because the paper contains calcium carbonate. And the... The, uh, alkal the, the chemical makeup is alkaline of the paper as opposed to the Oxford paper, which is not. The Oxford paper is what the BEP was using for the normal printings. And so the, the Silco paper required less moisture than the regular paper for the dry printings. And so the thought was that this would offer more dimensional stability for the paper so that the follow-on perforating process uh, would uh, yield better centered stamps and, this, and that the paper wouldn't curl as much. And so the BEP ordered a test batch of 500 panes on the Silco paper in November 1954. So 500 panes is 50,000 stamps. Right. And uh, they used two plates, which are both extremely common on the normal paper as well. But these were the only two plates that they used for the um, for the silk coat paper test. And uh, so after the test, they put the entire print run, they shipped it to the Westbrook, Maine post office because that's where the paper manufacturer was. And they basically, they put them on sale there in the Cumberland Mills branch in Westbrook, Maine. And so uh, there were some sheets that were saved by um, uh, employees of the paper making company. Um, and there are a few sheets that were saved after the fact as well, but they were basically issued during the Christmas season. And so they were just generally used out of that post office in that season. What year was it? Uh, 54. So looking for Christmas cards from 1954 from Maine. Right. Because even though the first class letter rate was three cents, you could mail a Christmas card unsealed uh, with no added message, only a signature, mm -hmm. uh, for two cents. Hmm. So 1954, have to go to the postcard shows and go through their Christmas stuff. Right. Now, did they change the ink or just the paper? Just the paper. Because I noticed on my silk coat, the ink looks much fresher. Well, that probably has to do with the... White the, background, yeah. Yeah, the very, very white background and, uh, and the coating that was, that's on the paper. Yeah, the coating, uh, they had done that in other countries. It's called surface paper. And what it is is, like well, Scott said, they, they added calcium carbonate to remove the acid from the paper. 
That's what it really does. Right. But the, the, uh, and it gives it sort of a sheen. A lot of the other countries, they just called it chalky paper, which was different. Yeah. Well, um, this, this was, this is not (laughs) chalky paper. It is, uh, it's actually part of the paper making processes and it's embedded in the paper not just the surface of the paper. Right, but it's the same basic thing. It's yeah, just the, chemically of, it's the same basic them, idea. Yeah, one of them they took paper and added the calcium carbonate. The other one they said, let's put the calcium carbonate right into the paper. Right. And then because a lot of those were printed uh either uh usually by lithography, it it gives you a nice clean image for the chalky paper whereas the silk out stamps were printed by the intaglio process, meaning that when you print them, you put them under extremely high pressure, and that then creates that extremely smooth surface that you get with a silcoat paper. Mm-hmm. So silcoat is not a coat for a silkworm? No. Okay. It's yeah. obviously not a conditioner for dogs and cats? Um, actually, it is a conditioner for dogs and cats. <laughs> but you, you rub, rub the stamps on them? Uh, I'm not certain, but it comes in a bottle. So if you go on Amazon and type in Silcoat, you'll get a dog and cat conditioner. So don't be confused. Don't put the conditioner into your stamp album. And why is it that the uh, the Silcoat dog and cat conditioner looks like it's pigeon blood pink? Good, good point. <gasps> that, that's because it was carried in the tube sock. Oh. <laughs> oh. So interestingly enough, there was one other paper that was also tested on the Two Cent Jefferson. It's a Printone Litho Plate paper. And uh, that, in everything except literature, has disappeared. Nobody's ever been able to find any. I wonder if that's because it's unrecognizable or whether it's... Nobody can tell the difference. Mm. Well, I think but, that's a whole goal of the post office is to make changes that nobody notices. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. So if you're looking through a uh, through a bargain box for a silicone paper example, are you just looking for the whiteness of the paper? That would be the first uh, indication, yes. Does it uh, glow differently under UV or um, um, is there any other way of, of detecting it? Yeah, but not significantly. Um. It's not like it's you're going to flash a UV light over everything and it's going to pop out. It's it's a very very subtle difference. It's got a glossier look to it, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Very it's it's very shiny compared to its other neighbors in the uh, two cent Jefferson. Yeah, it's almost it. It is not nearly as striking as the surface coated papers of other countries, but it does sort of have that sheen to it that normal stamps do not have right and another thing i've noticed is uh i've never seen a toned silk out paper well it wouldn't because there's no acid in the paper right yeah right so if your stamps have turned brown you're probably not going to be silk out paper (laughs) yeah yeah now i have to ask cash did i give you the picture that I have of the Silco compared to regular. Did you put that on our Facebook page at one point? Yeah, for those people who want to see what we are talking about, go to our Facebook page, and you can see the stamps that we are discussing. So, Don, that's what Silco is. Cool. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we drop. 
together. We get emails, so summon the answer squad. An email from Mark T. from Spokane, Washington. Today I got a stamp market quarterly book from PSE when I received my book of secrets. How do you get the prices for this book? Are they just got prices marked up where an extra fine is double a fine price? Also, the book of secrets I received is volume two. Can I get volume one? Well, it's only a double. It's only a double fine when you get caught for littering. Jeez. <laughs> Let's answer the first one. Uh, the second question first. Number one is sold out. But if you ask really nice, I might be able to find one or two copies. Eh, well. <laughs> Scott has a secret stash. Somewhere. Of course I do. That's my job. The I, secret book of secrets? That's right. Oh. I have a secret stash for my book of secrets. The secret book of secrets. I like that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, number three is coming out. When we bring out number three, number two will be our secret, <laughs> sub-secret <laughs> secret. I'll have to stash some of those away too. So Scott, let's See. let's discuss uh, catalog pricing. Why don't we start with Scott's? Because for you to talk about the SMQ or Stamp Market Quarterly, we're we're going to refer to it as the SMQ. Uh, why don't we start with the base of how does Scott's catalog get their numbers? Well, Scott's catalog uh, basically solicits uh, specialized collectors and dealers um, for price lists and who is one of those well they're generally listed and acknowledged in the front of the catalog and is your name there yes it is (laughs) unless unless they uh request anonymity did you request anonymity i did not okay um so you know you know of what you speak my contribution consists of the pricing for the smq so it's not like I'm uh, a dealer selling stamps. I'm just providing the SMQ as an input for the Scott catalog because their catalog looks at more than what we use just for the SMQ. Like I said, they look at a whole range of dealer prices. They look at, um, they for rarer items, they may look at uh, auction pricing. They look at retail pricing. And so that's where they get their pricing from. Yeah, my favorite is in... I think it was about 10 years ago. It might be slightly more. Uh, the stamps of Afghanistan. And I always tried to find stamps of Afghanistan. They're incredibly scarce. But for decades, you know, they had been in the $1 to $10 range. And then they went to auction. And the next year, Scott's Catalog, which hadn't changed the value for Afghanistan for literally decades, all of a sudden, everything went up 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. These 35-cent stamps that nobody could find were all of a sudden $10 stamps. Yes. And uh, it was because of the feedback from the auctions. Right. And they and they do look at auctions. And um, they also, for foreign pricing, And I mean, I, I realize the SMQ were, were basically looking at U.S. pricing uh, and, and Canada, but... Um, for other countries like Afghanistan, they actually look at catalogs, specialized catalogs for those countries, and they also look at the monetary exchange rates for the currencies in which those catalogs list their prices. 
So they ha- they do an analysis and they they say, okay, this is really what they're selling for, and they so they, but because of the scale of the catalog, the foreign catalogs anyway, uh, they can't look at every country every year. And so, just like you said, they may go a number of years, or in this case, decades, without getting true updates because the market information isn't as readily available. So, uh, yeah, they have a big job to do, and they do a good job at it. But when it comes down to the uh, the graded value pricing, uh, the Scott val- Scott differs because not only do they consider graded stamps uh, graded by PSE, they also consider stamps graded by the Philatelic Foundation and PSAG and any other companies that have that use the grading for U.S. stamps. They take a, a broader look. Um, and, you know, you may submit the same stamp to the different companies and you may get slightly different grades. So they look at everything, whereas for the SMQ, because it's focused on PSE, we only look at PSE-graded material. So where do those prices come from? The PSE prices come... Well, let me, let me, let me back up for a second. Because the person who wrote, uh, I didn't put the whole thing in. I cut out one of the paragraphs. He brought up that uh, Stanley Gibbons has like a price... And then extra fine is 1.5 times that or two times that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was asking, did we just do that? And, of course, my answer was no, but why don't you explain that? Well, was it 12, 13 years ago initially when the first SMQ came out? There was no actual pricing data. So they kind of did that to get it started. And then they adjusted that as the market responded. And... Uh, now, uh, our pricing is adjusted based on auction results and uh, published price lists. So, one stamp, maybe one and a half times, maybe two times, maybe three times, maybe 25% more, may, maybe a very, very little difference. Could be. Uh, you know, some stamps that are relatively common in the very fine to extra fine range, you know, if the stamp uh is $80 at very fine, it may be only $100 at extra fine because they're just common in that grade. Well, how do you squeeze in a very fine to extra fine? You got to find somewhere in the middle between 80 and 100. Well, logically, that's 90. I mean, there's not enough, there's not a lot of room in there. But sometimes, you know, on a rarer stamp where the population, and we do populations as well, we look at populations for the stamp market quarterly, and uh, the lower the population, it's a supply and demand. The lower the population, meaning uh, stamps that have been graded by PSE in that grade, uh, the lower the population, uh, that will bring a stronger price for that grade. So um, say, that, say that your stamp is uh, $500 in VF80, and I don't know, maybe it's 1000 we'll, we'll just do two times. Say it's $1,000 for extra fine in a grade of 90 well, now where does the 85 grade fall? Does it fall exactly in the middle at 750, or is it slightly above or below that? And you look at populations and how many are in the market and how often are they selling and what's the ma- demand. And it could be anywhere from maybe 350 to $900. It depends. 
where those numbers lie and where the demand lies. How often is the SMQ pricing updated? Uh, well, obviously from the name, it's supposed to be quarterly. And we do make uh, updates online as needed. Um, but general overhauls of the SMQ valuing are generally happen maybe once a year. Now, does that... Um, if, if there's an area that, that kind of says, well, you're, oh, you're overgraded or this is an active area or something like that, then we would, we would update that specific area uh, more often. But well, but re realistically, the updating is whenever the information comes in online. Right. Online, you know, you get it whenever we get it. Right. The book is different. Because that's published. Right, right. and the, the published book uh, generally lags behind what's online. Now, every time an auction house has a sale, that's a good potential, especially a, a large auction house that has a lot of graded material. Uh, that is a, a trigger for some updates. And so we look at the pricing from the auctions, we compare it, to uh, how frequently for how frequently these things are appearing at auction. A stamp in the grade of 95 uh, may appear at auction every two or three months, or it may appear every three to five years. And so we have to look at that, and based on how many are in that population and how often it appears can drive uh, the decision whether to raise or lower the price in the SMQ. Well, I'm looking right now at... U.S. number 231, okay. which is the two-cent Colombian. And in grade 80, it says 30 bucks. And I think that's just so that you get back the fee that you have to pay to get it certified. Well, that's part of it because a lot of these dealers, they'll send it in. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, a – let's just get this straight. A VF80 stamp is generally a good-looking stamp. On very, very tight-margin stamps – uh, a VF80 stamp is generally a really good grade. So the older stamps, even in through you know the Colombians and and even in the Washington Franklins, you know 80, 85, very fine to a very fine to extra fine. Those are those are good solid collectible grades. Um, for the for the collector who has to have the best of everything, obviously they're not going to cut the mustard. But uh, well, in a grade eighty again, two cent Colombian number two thirty one. A grade eighty is thirty dollars. A grade ninety five is one hundred and fifty. Then it jumps way up to ninety eight, which is four hundred, and a ninety eight J, which is a ninety eight bigger, is six hundred, and that's the highest because I guess we haven't found any hundreds. As far as uh, that would that would probably be true. So where does the uh, four hundred and six hundred dollar number come from? I mean, those, I know the answer, but why don't those you? generally come from auctions because those populations are going to be very small, and uh, and when you you know just a a regular dealer or collector who happens to find a really great stamp like that, when you can buy a stamp for a few dollars, send it in, pay thirty dollars, and get back a stamp that's going to sell in that you know the four to six hundred dollar range uh a lot of collectors uh might be motivated to say well this is if i can sell this i can buy you know 
I can fill a number of other spaces with decent stamps in my collection that I'd be more than happy with. I don't have to have this superb example. And so a lot of times those one, one or two things will go to auction to somebody that absolutely has to have the best and they, they bring what they bring. Understandable. And, uh, and then the collector who is, you know, just happy assembling a, a very nice collection and, you know, in, in grades that are uh, a little bit lower, he goes on his merry way, filling, uh, filling up his collection. And, uh, like I said, you can put together a beautiful, beautiful collection, uh, and, and not spend a whole lot more than the catalog value. Yeah. And to answer Cash's questions, there are no 100 graded used 231s. Interesting, because I think that stamp was printed in a billion. They printed a billion of those stamps. I don't have the number in front of me. The I Scott think it's, catalog would say. Yeah, it's one of the first stamps to break a billion. And out of a billion stamps, there are no used grade 100 stamps. There are no quote-unquote perfect 231s. Out of all the ones graded, there are two 100s and two 100Js. And a J is just a jumbo indication, meaning it has large margins for the issue. And that's out of almost 500 stamps. Yep. Well, out of a billion. Graded. Out of a billion, what, I mean, 500 what, of which were graded. Yeah. yeah. Most interesting. Um, just maybe a note on jumbo values. Uh, jumbos are very difficult to value. Um, because a, a jumbo can be, we have a different definition for jumbo, and uh, if it surpasses that definition, then we give it the J, uh, we add the J onto the grade. Now, if it just makes it past the line, it gets the J. Well, if it goes past the line and it goes another half mile beyond that, well, then it still just gets the J. So you can have a super jumbo, and you can have a regular jumbo, and since there's only one price in the SMQ, I mean, if there's a population of one, it's easy to do because you just see what That's the thing it, sells yeah. for, and then you put the grade, the value in. But uh, when you have a, a, something that has a population of ten or fifteen, and they're all jumbos, but they're all different, yeah. you have to. You, the value for a J can be. Um, somewhat misleading it's not a hard and fast rule and so what is uh, the five dollar colombian i want to pull that one up just 245 how, how freakishly huge of a price does that get <laughs> uh 245 mint never hinged. there are no 100s there's or 100 a j's there's a 95 i guess Eighty-five thousand dollars. wow go look up uh zeppelin airmails they're way up there too yes um, yeah, Zeppelin airmails are, are kind of a, one of those uh, odd things that they're uh, just about any decent auction, you're going to find a bunch of them in there, even though they're technically rare stamps. They're just always available. The $5 Colombian, yeah, it's pricey, and a lot you'll see it in a lot of different auctions, but a lot of times you'll see faulty copies or really poorly centered copies. The You don't see that with the... Uh, Zeppelin airmails. Don, you have anything to add? Haven't heard from you much. <laughs> um, actually, I do have one thing. Remind me. 
how long after someone dies can we put them on a stamp? Because <laughs> we had an extremely notable death yesterday. Oh, yes, we did. We did. He, and he didn't yes. make it to Pi Day. Stephen Hawking. Yes. Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have a funny feeling he's going to be on a stamp pretty quick. I imagine Great Britain's going to issue one pretty quickly because he's, you know, British. Understandable. Couldn't tell by the accent, though. (laughs) (laughs) I have to bring something up. So we talked about AEF pains a couple weeks ago and uh, talked about some lots that I found on eBay. Mm -hmm. Somebody bought some of those lots. Oh, yes. It wasn't me. and may have. Yes. Yeah. Why don't you tell about the AEF? Because we talked about it while we were looking at the uh, listings yes we did and um of the of the lots that i bought i did find uh one card that had an aef booklet single on it it was actually the only card that had two stamps on it one was a sheet stamp and one was a booklet paint stamp and they were all aef postcards that came from france they were all aef postcards that came from france so uh, for a tobacco fund and so nine, how many cards were there? I uh, got nine cards. And out of those, eight of them had sheet stamps. Eight of them had sheet stamps and one had, and and interestingly enough, for whatever reason, the one card was charged a two cent rate instead of a one cent rate. And that had an AEF booklet stamp added. So all of them got the sheet stamp and then they said, hey, you need an extra penny on this one. And they took a stamp out of an AEF booklet. Yep. Well, and it two, was nice because it was a corner stamp, too. Yeah. Well, two things. First of all, interesting that uh, it sort of gives the feedback of how rare they are. You know, not well, every actually, AAF they're, they're postcard mo- has it. No, they're actually more rare than that. Yeah. And that just happens to happen to be what we found on that day. I thought, yeah, you, well, I sort of thought, well, let's go ahead and find AEF cards because they'll all have the booklet stamp on it. And they obviously do not. But you know, again, for for around ten bucks a card, yeah, it was ten bucks a card. Yeah, I think I paid, but I paid about a hundred dollars for all the cards, and uh, so I paid about a little over ten bucks a card, and uh, that's the one cent stamp on the card with the cancels and all of that is probably a four to six hundred dollar item. Congratulations. See, you listened to Stamp Show here today. and Yeah. <laughs> I listened to myself. <laughs> listened to Tom, who found him online. Yeah. Yeah, yes, thank you, Tom, I for still finding wanna, I online. still want a freaking finder's fee. Oh, I'm sure you'll get it. I'm sure you'll get it. Anything else? I may have ruined the term gum skip for all of Philately. Oh. <laughs> well, that's it then.
Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Return <laughs> <laughs> to send up. Return to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.